The Lifestylist, episode 66, featuring Russell Simmons. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Well, 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 it looks like you've stumbled into a party known as the Lifestylist Podcast, and I am, of course, your host, Luke Story. Today's guest is none other than music legend Russell Simmons. We sit down with Russell and talk about all things yoga and meditation. If you don't know who Russell Simmons is, you might be living on Mars, so I'll bring you up to speed really quick. He's known as the godfather of hip-hop. He co-founded Def Jam Records with Rick Rubin has been enormously successful as an entrepreneur and a philanthropist. He's produced TV shows, records, films, authored books, and more than anything, he's known for really launching the careers or helping to launch the careers of artists like the Beastie Boys, Public Enemy, Run DMC, and LL Cool J. He is an official OG. But what's really cool is that he got sober at 30 years old, found meditation, yoga. This is going way, way back. And uh, that's what he's going to talk to us about today. So it's a really inspirational talk from someone who's made it on the material, physical, monetary plane, but has decided to stay in the game and carry his message to people that are interested. So what we talk about is how he first found meditation and what techniques specifically he practices and how to build the habit of meditation into your life so that it's not just something you brag about on Instagram, but some shit you really do. You know what I'm saying? And then what are the biggest benefits of meditation? How has it helped him in business and in his personal life? And then what drives him to share his message and life with the world, even though he's achieved enough material success to just chill and retire? That was one of the main questions I want to ask him. Like, dude, why aren't you just off screwing around on an island somewhere? He's got this yoga studio. He's involved in all these charities. He's like really moving and shaking in the world. And it's interesting to hear his take on what motivates him to do that and how he finds the energy to manage over 10 businesses and three nonprofits. He's no spring chicken man, but he is still crushing it. And what he has to say about someone who believes that money and fame will make them happy. I mean, we did this interview at Tantris, his yoga studio, and uh, it's right on the edge of Beverly Hills. So we're in LA where people think that a Lamborghini or a Tesla or a pretty husband or wife is going to do it for you. And he explains why that is not the case. And what are the most important spiritual principles to learn and live by? He's written books on it. He's got a lot to share about that. Is it enough for someone to learn these principles or do you actually have to practice them? That's what we really get into. What are some of the limiting beliefs or thought habits that prevent people from being successful? And really just how he has adopted yoga and meditation in his life and how it's transformed him and the things that he's seen in other people and how that's kind of what really fuels him to keep going. So it's sort of a spiritual episode with someone who's known for their work in the entertainment industry. So I'm really pleased to bring this one to you. It was a lot of fun to do. And if you're in LA, I really recommend that you get over to Tantris. They have some amazing hot yoga over there. Really, really good times. And I'd also like to encourage you to tune in next Tuesday for episode number 67 with my friend Brian Chaplin, where we talk all about the ins and outs of the cannabis industry. Yes, the weed. 
You know, I don't smoke weed, but I'm pretty good at talking about it. I have a little history there, but it's really about the industry. So check in Tuesday for that. If you don't want to miss that episode or any of the ones to follow, I highly recommend that you click subscribe somewhere on your screen or device there so that each week, every episode of the Lifestylist podcast is automatically downloaded to you. And if you'd like to get the show notes and announcements for every episode that I put out, every video that I release... The easiest way to do that is to go to lukestory.com and sign up for my newsletter. It's right there on the homepage. It says, join the tribe. And the tribe doesn't mean that I'm going to try to sell you a bunch of weird stuff. It means that I'm going to notify you when I put out a podcast and send you all of the links. So for example, in this episode with Russell Simmons, he drops all kind of knowledge about all sorts of different meditation techniques and yoga studios and all this stuff. And you're going to be listening to it going, God, what did he say? How can I remember that? And you're going to want to take notes or screen grab or find a way to remember that info. You don't have to, dog. Just go to lukestory.com, sign up for my newsletter. I'm going to send you those links every single week. Without further ado, thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next week. I've noticed in the last few weeks that I'm getting more and more questions submitted through the website and on social media, and I wanted to let you, the listener, know that I'm very open to suggestions about the show or just general questions. If you've got something you want to know the answer to, you can always submit that to info at lukestory.com or just leave it on Instagram or on my Facebook page and I will either answer it myself or do my best to get one of my guests to answer it. And I'd like to let you know that if you're interested in working with me in a one-on-one coaching capacity that you can do so easily by going to lukestory.com forward slash coaching where you can set up an appointment to hang out virtually with yours truly. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Organifi. I discovered this product a few months ago and it has changed the game for me. Everybody knows that green juice is good for you, right? Here's the deal though. Couple disadvantages to your average cold pressed green juice. A, a lot of times it comes in plastic, not good. B, it's usually loaded with sugar up to 25 grams, which is basically like drinking a green Coca-Cola. Not happening. Next is they go bad. You can't leave it sitting out and they're really bad for travel. So I love my green juice. That's cool. Cold press. I get the sugar-free ones. I'm into it. But Organifi makes a green powdered superfood that comes in these little packets that are portable and you can take with you. So I keep them in my car and in my bag and on demand. Anytime I have a bottle of water, I can pour one of these in there and have an instant green juice. Alcohol energizing, gives you mental clarity. It's fantastic. It's loaded with 11 superfoods. A lot of the green powders not only taste gross and are overpriced, but they'll have like 200 ingredients. And I'm always thinking, how much of each ingredient is actually in there, okay? These 11 superfoods are the important ones that you need, like turmeric, chlorella, wheatgrass, spirulina, mint, moringa, ashwagandha, lemon, beets, matcha green tea, and coconut water. And it's sweetened with monk fruit, so it's got a zero glycemic index. It's fantastic stuff. So if you want to check this drink out, work on your health in a way that actually tastes good and is super convenient, here's what you do. Go to Organifi.com, that's with an I, Organifi, Enter the code LIFESTYLIST and save 20% off your order. You guys know I always give you a hookup if I'm going to tell you about something cool that I discovered. So again, go to Organifi.com, enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and save 20%. It's really good stuff.
A massive part of my health strategy is the ingestion on a regular basis of medicinal herbs and medicinal mushrooms. And my primary source for those is a company called Four Sigmatic. If you remember way back in the day in episode eight, I had a guest by the name of Taro Isakapula from this company. And we talked all about the power of these amazing herbs and mushrooms. Well, Four Sigmatic do a great job of making them not only potent, but also convenient and delicious. So they make these little packets of herbs that you add to hot water, cold water, or bulletproof coffee, whatever your recipe is. I make them with all kinds of different stuff all the time. It makes a really easy way to get this stuff into your body. And these are herbs that have a real effect on you. It's very powerful stuff. So go to foursigmatic.com, but wait, I'm gonna hook it up. When you get to foursigmatic.com, Enter the code THELIFESTYLIST at checkout to save 15% off your order. So you can get things like reishi mushrooms, chaga mushrooms, cordyceps, lion's mane, ashwagandha, all the good stuff that really works. So go to foursigmatic.com, enter the code THELIFESTYLIST, and save 15% off your order. Russell Simmons is an American entrepreneur, philanthropist, producer, author, and the chairman and CEO of Rush Communications. He co-founded the hip-hop music label Def Jam Recordings, created the clothing line Fat Farm, and most recently opened Tantris Yoga in Los Angeles. Russell, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy yeah, to be here. I'm happy to be here too. It's great to be back in your studio, Tantris. If you guys are ever in LA, you got to come by this studio. Those of you that are watching the video, you can see it. I'll show you some more of that on the way out. But this is... I think probably the nicest yoga studio I've ever been to, and I've been to a lot of them. Well, this for me is a passion project. All the prayers on the steps, all the deities, how they're placed, the library, what's in it, all of it is something that I, I work closely with the architect and the designers on, um, every piece of it. And so it's for me a passion project. I thought that especially hot yoga, needed a devotional space where we actually taught yoga. A lot of the uh, hot classes remind me of gyms. That's okay. But still, yoga is the science of happiness. Sharing that with people is something special, sacred. And I wanted to make a place that kind of split the difference. It was commercial, because hot yoga is. It was fun, because hot yoga can be. And it was devotional, because yoga always has to be to be yoga. Right, it, it's the idea of yoga is to realize yoga, not just to get a yoga butt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, how's the how's the room heated in here? Because I noticed, like, I, once in New York, I did um, that hot. What's that hot yoga called? The old school, um, the guy who had all the controversy, Bikram. Yeah, Bikram yoga, and the room was heated with heaters, and there was no air in the room. But in here, in Steve Ross's class that I did a couple of weeks ago, I didn't get overheated. Is it like infrared or <laughs> that's exactly right? You led the witness. Yes, it's infrared heat, which ah, is okay. Um, you can read about it. You go. Online I got an infrared and, sauna. Yeah, so you okay. get it. So it's infrared. It's got technology to put a certain amount of humidity in the air, and it's a very highly technical kind of mix. And it's meant to reduce inflammation and do all the things that infrared does yeah. and still give you the effect that you might get from the, some people like the old. But a lot of the yogis, the devotional yogis, didn't like um, heated yoga because they thought of Bikram. They <laughs> said, oh, I don't want to do that. Like they thought of Bikram and yeah. Bikram practice, which is not as much of a dance as most vinyasa practices are. Even the practices that now borrow from what Bikram taught, in other words, his sequence 
There were most of those poses are in the Hatha Yoga Padipika. They're in scripture and they're great, but the sequence that he has, some people borrow that sequence. They teach it gracefully, which is, I think, the way yoga mostly is intended. It's a dance. And so the Astanga, the Iyengar, the Jiva Mukti, even the power yoga teachings are all about smiling and breathing. And Bikram is kind of like clap. It's like more angry. Yeah, not, yeah. Or not even angry, it's just more. It's like military almost. That's right. <laughs> you know what like I'm saying? Like boot camp. Yeah. yeah so well, anyway, is, I like that the heating situation in here is cool. That's why heat. Yeah. Now, now, devotional practitioners yeah. didn't have a place to go in the heat where they would study yoga. Yeah. Where they would quote scripture and hear devotional music. It, there was no place like that. And so that's why we built this. Awesome, man. Well, I love it. So I'm going to take it back a little bit because that brings us up to current day. But I did a bit of research on you and found that your entryway into yoga was at Jiva Mukti in New York. No, no. Steve Ross was my first teacher. Oh, he was your first guy. Okay. And then Jiva Mukti became ah, okay, my, okay. those Sharon and David Did you get Aub. Steve Ross out here and then go back to New York and practice? Yes. I got Steve okay. Ross long before there was a Maha Yoga, 22 years ago or longer. I don't know. Yeah. And, um, you know, loud rap music was fun. Steve teaches here. He's the only one who doesn't teach our curriculum. He's my first teacher. So he does what he wants. He had been a monk. So he's a, a person who can impart tons of knowledge. But we make it our business here to teach a devotional practice. So the other teachers teach a tantrist method, which is, you know, it's, it's fun, but it's always imparting the theme for every month. This month's theme is pranayama, and the teachers are teaching from Light on Pranayama, Iyengar's book, and all the other stuff that inspired them and that they learned about prana. But the month before was Stiram Sukham Asanam, Steady Joyful Pose. They taught about smiling in difficult poses and how to be graceful. And the month before that, the opening month, was Yoga Shita Friti Naroda. What is yoga? The yoga, the cessation and the fluctuation of mind. So we have themes that the teachers teach during the class. And the music, we use Krishna Das every month for three months so far. Krishna Das and Kanye, Krishna Das and Beyonce, Krishna Das and Tribe Called Quest. So he could, he's coming now, this month. So we used him, but you know, all the devotional music is played uh, by the people that we hear their songs often. Yeah. And it's kind of commercial, isn't it? You hear Krishna Das's voice, the most commercial voice in yoga, right? Yeah, yeah. But then there's also Bhagavan Das and all the other great kirtan singers. And their, their music is played alongside other commercial music, mostly hip-hop, but rhythmic, never fast. Like, I always say, Steve, why would you play dance music? I understand the hip-hop when it, or the instrumentals from it or the songs because it's rhythmic and it doesn't really affect your nervous system. But, you know, I don't tell Steve what to do. He is my first teacher. He's a very studied teacher. He said in the end we have to meditate. That's what yoga is for, to calm the nervous system and let the body be strong enough that we can sit without affliction and meditate. I said, but there's the alignment. Is there? He said, oh, never mind that. That's Steve. You know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Steve is a very popular teacher. He's a lot of fun. But we try to take what he does for entree for people and give them a real gateway to learn more. Until I moved to Sharon and David, I didn't have as much desire to learn more. 
right. about yoga. And Sharon they, and David at, at Jiva Mukta, which is right. like a whole lifestyle practice. It's not just like you go in, sweat, get a little flexible, and bounce. No, I mean, no. their whole center, for those of you listening, it's really great. It's right next to Union Square in New York. There's a great vegan restaurant in the studio. It's fantastic, and it's a school. But that's like serious yogic science. Well, that's, that's what, not this like, is, a, this is Tantris School yeah. of Yogic Science. Awesome. That's what this is, Tantra School of Yogic Science. You see the... the I saw that on the geotag, actually, because I was look like... At all, look at all of the copies of the Yoga Sutras in the library, because that's our Bible. It's a science book, science for happiness. Yoga is a science for happiness. I don't know why you'd want to sweat and not learn more about how to be happy. Yoga is, yeah. You go to yoga to be happy, and you know from practicing you get happier, so it works. I like how you're using the music, though, because you know, obviously I think anyone listening knows that you have an immense background in music. I mean, some people call you, I know you're a humble guy, but the godfather of hip-hop. So I like that you're kind of using that as a gateway for people that might come in and get a little tripped out by all the kirtans and all this Indian music. You're like, okay, cool, we're going to throw in a Kanye song. It's like, it's like a little bit of a bait and switch, and I mean that in the most positive sense, where you're appealing to a wider demographic, but the, the, the intention behind it is to bring the lifestyle in. I want to commercialize yogic lifestyles yeah. and yogic philosophy. Yeah. And I think that this, is an, this intention is to make it commercial. You know, and when, we, when I see uh, Soul Sunday crowds... And I see the way Saturday mornings are, and this morning, and I see the stars with the big mouths. I moved here where, and there was a giant star last night at six o'clock. Big, big R&B star, maybe one of the biggest of all time. He's leaving, and the single biggest pop star of all, uh, of certainly of now, was walking into a class. These are two classes back to back. So, wow, they got big mouths. That's why I'm here, to spread the idea. They, you know, I protect them. If paparazzi comes, I act like they're not here, or, and I try to protect them. But I want it to be people who are sharing this lifestyle with others. Giving Oprah meditation was one of the best things I ever did. I gave her Bob Roth. Didn't you introduce her to Eckhart Tolle as yes, well? Yes, I gave her that book as well. These yeah. are the gifts that you give to one person but travels to many. So her and Ellen DeGeneres have been great advocates of transcendental meditation and meditation in general yeah. because we gave them Bob Roth from the David Lynch Foundation yeah. and that was her gateway to meditation. And then she gave everybody meditation and the same with Ellen DeGeneres. I sent Bob to live in a house. He stayed with her. Ellen became a big fan of meditation, TM, and then she gave it to other people and she also joined the advisory board, which I'm on, the David Lynch Foundation. So giving the right people, if you want to spread a message, put it in Kim Kardashian's hand. Exactly. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing with doing this show is I get to interview people like you who are influential and are doing something meaningful. Like, I look at a guy like you, okay? You made all this money in music. You've written, what, like six books, a New York Times bestseller, produced movies, produced TV shows. You could easily just fuck off and go live I'm on an island off somewhere. Right now. I'm but fucking, you know what I'm saying? But like, I'm fucking off right now. Look where I am. Shit. I'm in a fucking yoga studio in the middle yeah. of, at four in the afternoon. I mean, my companies are still running, but you know, I like giving access for artists to you know to, through all deaf digital and comedy and poetry and the movies we're making and all that. That's all fun. But this is my passion. Yeah. And I'm here fucking off right now. 
Yeah. And, when and, I mean fuck off, I mean like you're off on an island somewhere with a bunch of bikini clad girls, like not contributing, which some people choose to do. So I, I respect the fact that your passion to carry the message. Not, yes, I appreciate that. I'm, you know what I'm saying though? I mean, yeah, it's like but it's a lot an of easy people, job. This nigga's out in the fighting wars and shit. <laughs> people at risk, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm at risk when I talk about, you know, I'm sure they're going to audit me a lot, you know, the things I've said about the president. You know, he said he's going to have me deported, told a friend of us, uh, a mutual friend, ex friend. No, he's still a friend in the middle, but, but right. I haven't spoken to him. But I say things about the factory farming industry, about the president and the choices that we make in the American government, about pretty much every subject that annoys the establishment but is factual and necessary. I occupied Wall Street. I tried to give them voice. I tried to write an amendment. I did write an amendment <clears throat> along with Dennis Kucinich, uh, about campaign finance reform that was about public funding. And, um, I, you know, things that really, at, at a moment, they seem scary. They might actually happen or something. Or maybe people will be educated and say the factory farming industry is the most amazing threat. Next to nuclear weapons, that's the biggest threat we have to our existence, the factory farming industry. And they're still poisoning people. When I say that a third of our, your protein, if it's beef, it's like 20 cigarettes a day, the amount of carcinogens, I'm attacking the beef industry. Yeah. When I say that there's so much Prozac in chicken, you wouldn't believe it, or antibiotics or growth hormones or steroids, then I'm, then I'm attacking the chicken industry. And when I say the wars, oh my God, look at the money that they're spending. Right now they're giving more money to the war machines. We have all the nuclear weapons and stuff we could ever blow up the world. We could blow the world up three times. We're building more stuff. Just I want to jump back to how you got into this. So you, you got sober, what, when you were like around 30? 30. Okay. I'm 60. Okay. I'm, I'm 20 years in myself. A uh, vegan? Uh, not vegan, sober. sober, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, checkered past, let's just say. Checkered? Yeah. <laughs> shit, is all, shit is all dark. I'm putting it politely. Did you hit a place of, of utter despair, a dark night of the soul that kind of led you to get kind into of, yoga and meditation? Every night was, was dark. Every night was dark. You know, you're out, you party, and you wake up, you got a headache. When the mornings that you fell asleep and you didn't go out and party, and you woke up, you felt great, you said, why can't I do this more often? Yeah. And eventually you learned that morning meditation is better than late night drinking. Yeah. And so, it, you, know, you have to have faith in the idea, not only that you hear it, you know it's been told to you and you know it's probably true, but you don't have that much faith or you would do it. If you knew something would make you happy and doing what's good for the soul makes you happy in the long run and do it what's not good for the soul causes suffering. But you have to have faith in that because if not, you still do the dark shit because it feels good for a minute or you have this. But when you know better, you do better. Yeah, so did, you didn't have like one specific kind of rock bottom moment where you went, all right, I'm giving up this life and I'm going to... I think I was rock out. bottom every night. <laughs> I don't think I... You know, and, I, and I did choose a day that I'm going to quit. Yeah. So no matter how high I get between now and then, I know on that day, if I make it to that day, that's it. And, and you I, did it. I did it. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. When I look back on it, when people say, well, what'd you do? I just quit. Yeah. I quit January 1st. I rolled out of bed and said, that's it. That's a classic day. You know how many yogis. people have tried and failed on that day? That's like the day when everyone's going to go to the gym, quit drinking. You know, it's like... right, but listen, the yogi rolls out of shavasana or corpse pose, born again, right? Sit up, let go of the shit that doesn't serve you, leave it on the mat. The uh, asana practitioner does that. But the yogi is reborn every second because he's present. Fully awakened yogi is always new. Can always reset. He doesn't need a moment. 
I need a moment. Most of us are struggling. We need a moment. So New Year's Eve was my moment. What do you still struggle with today, even having incorporated such powerful lifestyle uh, practices? Do well, you, is there I, times when you get anxiety, you get afraid, or a business deal goes bad, or divorces? I mean, are you still thrown by shit sometimes? I, I struggle sometimes with relationships, I think. Yeah. Maybe that's about... Struggle is a funny word. I don't feel too uh, pressed. Yeah. I kind of like my life. I like the way I'm... You know, I get this old, learn to like your life and be happy, you know, in in situations that would be difficult situations. And you realize they're not. So I shouldn't say difficult. I mean, things that I would think was a struggle, but really is ease. I have more ease than I had. And I guess practicing it every day and meditating every day and, and learning that no matter how rich I get or not get, I can only sit my ass in one seat at a time. That's the fuck it, one seat. There's no more seats that you can sit in which you want to ask, no matter what you acquire. And so when you know that, and you really have faith in that fact that your happiness comes from your seat, and not from the things that you can't even grasp from your seat, it is beautiful. It's a more or less thing. You know, if I was free from all neediness, I'd be enlightened. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm more free. And uh, I think that's a, a beautiful space to be in, too. More free all the time. More ease, less suffering, less noise. As a man who's very accomplished in so many ways and has achieved you know, a massive amount of material success and career success, what would you say to someone who still thinks that when I get the house, when I get the record deal, when I get the starring role, when my bank account reaches this much, then I'll be happy? Well, I tell them all the time, just that they have to be happy now or those things will make them more sad, more disappointed, and more separate from the, the opportunity to be present and awake and happy. I can say it to them, and they can say it intellectually, they get it, but they have to move more towards it. It's like I mostly believe all the things in Scripture. I mostly believe them. More, I mean, more than I did, I should say. Mostly, I don't know. Ahimsa, Satya, Steya, Brahmacharya, Parigaha, right? Don't lie. Don't have frivolous sex. <laughs> don't, one, I sense a little resistance in that one. Don't. I, I think say, for some of us, that one's like, at least for men. Steve that Ross I know, told me. That's a tough one. Steve Ross to told go. me that that was Lord Buddha's last struggle before enlightenment. And I, you know, and, yeah, that's my last struggle. I'm fucked, like, honestly. I'm fucked. I let go of a lot of shit, like really addictive stuff. I Every said drug, to Steve, cigarettes, I told Steve, that was a that one died hard. I told Steve, yeah, I said, you know, I feel enlightened. This was like 20 years ago. Yeah, as I feel enlightened, I said, you know, the problem is I can't not look at the girl's butt in front of me. And he, and he made it. Oh, that's Lord Buddha's last problem. Don't worry. So I said, I'm almost enlightened. I'm in the same place. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much the same place. I've evolved some. Oh, yeah, I have evolved a lot, actually. But, no, it's tough. It's one of the more difficult things for most men. What about, what about family? You know, you, I'm sure you've heard the Ram Dass quote, if you think you've achieved enlightenment, go spend a week with your family. Have <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard that? No. <laughs> That's the one, man. Well, yeah. of course, Go struggling. stay with your mom and dad for, like, a couple weeks, see how, like, What about wanting people to be better? You want the world to be better, but you see them, you say, oh... Have a vegan bar. Bye. 
You know, all yeah. that stuff, right? You leave them, then you say, oh, they're suffering, they're beautiful. Tell your kids, stop eating that shit. No, I'm serious, stop eating that. You know, yeah. you want for your family and people you love to accept what you believe you've learned. You want that, and you want them to act like you believe they should act. Less a degree than maybe before, but you know, oh, do as you please. It only works so much when you're talking about your daughter, 16, talking about, you know, people you love. You want for them what you think is right for them. You judge, you carry weight, you put weight on them. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Another thing I want to ask you is, what do you think is a good practice to keep your ego from taking hold of you when you've achieved, you know, success in the material world or spiritual quote-unquote success? Like, oh, I'm doing yoga, I'm meditating, I've made money, I've done this, I've done that. How do you stay humble? What's the key to being realistic about yourself and like having you have a, to keep- an appraisal of your own shit and, and not getting too big or too low on yourself? Oh, you meditate. You try to maintain balance through watching the self and finding the self. And when you know the self, you know that there's no, uh, nothing different, separate from you, than the next being, animal or other. You have to remember what you tell yourself, what you read, put faith in it, meditate on it, operate from this place of humility. This is the mantras. So when they give you the king, stuff that people have little bits of king-itis, right? They, yeah. they become stars and they get free shit. They get access to places they shouldn't get and they get treated a certain way. And they, it, it's difficult for them, and I guess for me, to separate what's real, which is your sameness with that person who is giving you accolades that you may not deserve. We're all doing the best we can. My struggle is no harder than yours, no easier than yours. So, you know, all of us, we're all God acting out a different role at a different moment. God's assigned me this role for now. I accept this role. I try to remember that he, it, the cosmic, the universe, the collective, the order in which things are, whatever we call it, this perfect world has given me a space to operate in and it's assigned me karmic duties and dharma that I can just move forward with without being attached to them. Because again, who does God favor? The person who left $100 million to help people suffering in a particular community and got on their plane and flew off? Or the person who's administering the drugs in the jungle in that place to relieve the suffering. I would guess that the best, the tapas, the work, dedication, and focus, and the purity of intention by that person in the jungle is likely to be more than the person who dropped off to cash, right? But the guy who dropped off to cash is getting the accolades. <laughs> right, right, right. I, if I had another so piece like of metal... it's like the degree of sacrifice. A, if I get another piece of fucking metal for showing up somewhere... Thank you so much. I want to thank all the little people. Yeah. If the piece of metal helps them raise money, because that's the order in which the world is operating, that's good. But never let me think that that piece of metal, for whatever I've done in the arts or in any humanity, bringing people together and with the Muslims and Jews, the work I do so every day, or whatever work I do, I get awards for that shit. But the people on the ground are doing the work. I'm getting the award for their work. It doesn't make sense. But it's okay to make sense of it 
and to operate from a place of humility and whether you're getting the award or not from a place of abundance. So in your book, Do You the 12 Laws to Excess Power uh, to Achieve Happiness and Success, right? I like these laws and principles. That's something I've studied a lot and used a lot in my life. So humility is one of those that stands out immediately. Like to have a successful, happy life, I got to have some humility. And, and I, you know, I don't, it's not the thing you can claim having achieved, but the only way I've been able to get a modicum of it is through meditation and self-examination. Like you said, that state of the higher self when you're in meditation and then you see your ego doing little bullshit and playing games then you go out and live your life and you can sometimes access the higher self and see what your little greedy animal's doing, right? It's kind of the way I contextualize it. So humility, what are some of the other spiritual laws or principles that you think are key, to, not just to learn about in an intellectual way, but to actually practice and own in a, in a living way as you do your thing on a day-to-day basis? Um, I think that, you know, you should meditate. You should do some physical action the asana practice, if you're smiling and breathing, it's really good aid to achieving or moving towards yoga. It's a good workout because it is, you know, a dance with God or consciousness. And it's a reliever of, of the noise and the suffering that comes from fluctuations of the mind. And so that's good. Those two things for me are, are key. But it's also the work that you do in the world, pick a job that's service. service. That's a service yeah. to people. Make sure that what you choose, that you feel you love what you're giving. Give what you want to receive. Or what you think people really need that's helpful to them. So is that not, is the service in your mind, just based on your philosophy, not so tied into your own success? Like, aren't a lot of people caught up in like, give me money, give me money, give me money, no, I gotta get rich? I don't rich? think, you know, I think that you I should mean, do you be think happy. You, you're gonna be most successful by by helping others and being outwardly facing than just trying to gain for yourself. Oh, yeah, uh, you know, good givers are great getters. That's a critical right, right. And, and, and very important philosophy. Jesus taught two sermons, one to the masses. Give and you'll receive. Good givers are great getters. You can pay the Romans and taxes on time. It's no problem. Just do this. Give. He taught his disciples, give without expectation. And the, and the disciples really didn't have a problem paying the Romans because they were getting so much paper or success <laughs> that they could just pay. So you see the difference between the person who gives without expectation and just does a, an amazing job because the neediness, the need to pay, the idea, I got to pay the Romans, I got to pay the Romans, that separates you from doing a good job. So even if it's just the science of giving and being totally focused on your gift, that's a moving meditation. That's a clear single-pointed focus, the gift. When you focus on the getting while you're giving, the giving is not as good, so you get less, you give less and get less. So it's, so even without any of the karmic sciences attached, just purely focused on giving is key. Other than, you know, just the broad spectrum of meditation and yoga, what do you think is a good recommendation for people in terms of monitoring your mind and the negativity of you know, jealousy and I forget and the scripture, but, and, and all but that. The, the scripture is when thinking negative thoughts, think the opposite. When you catch yourself, think the opposite. It's right there in the Yoga Sutras, and it's something you have to work on. You have to catch yourself. Remember to remember what's in scripture. And, and when just you read say it scripture, once you're something. talking about all spiritual text, is what I'm all getting. All spiritual from you, text, right? but I, I think of the Yoga Sutras, which has an answer for almost anything. Right. Right. Think of the opposite. 
So, well, I think that's something I like about your approach is it's very simple. Like you I use would, all these like Sanskrit words and stuff that people not might not be familiar with, but everyone understands the concept of like getting to receive. There's just basic fundamental stuff yeah. that is accessible to people, and I appreciate that approach. Thank you. Yeah, because sometimes this stuff, it's either too biblical and that freaks people out because yeah, they went always, to church and there was a kid or it's words they don't understand or mantras that sound funky to them. So it's like breaking it down in a way that's accessible. And like you said... Are you coming to class? What, tonight? Six o'clock? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> well, don't play with me, man. You got to come to class. All right, I might do that. All right. Yeah, I had a great class the other night. All right, so listen, as we, as we get winding down here towards the end of the interview... I'll ask you, as you've been my teacher today, you've been our listeners' teacher, who have been three influential teachers in your life? Or you mean in yoga in general? In general. Well, we have Sachidananda, Yogananda, Sharon David, I view as, you know, so these are three that inspired this practice. Again, your buddy Steve was very inspiring to me early on. He helped me to find a path. The day I went to his class, I was addicted. Over 22, three years ago, I went to Steve Ross's class. How much class. did that have to do with the concentration of women in the class? I only went because it was hot <laughs> chicks. That's why I went to class. It was hot girls. I've gotten a lot of guy friends into yoga for that. I'm like, just I know it's weird, dude. Just come on. They come to one class, especially a class like that, and they're like, okay, I'm in. Right. That's Whatever why I went the first time. I never would have thought I'd fall in love with yoga, but I did that day, first day. That's cool. All right, so that's three great teachers. And then where would you like people to go in terms of websites, social media, anything like that? Go to tantris.com or at Tantris Yoga or Uncle Rush is my personal uh, Instagram. Awesome, cool, Thank man. you. Well, listen, thank you so much, dude. It's great to Pleasure. see you. And uh, thanks for sharing your gifts with the audience. Thank you. All right, see you next Amen. time. So that concludes another episode of the Lifestylist podcast. If you enjoyed that, as I anticipate that you did, since you're at the end, do me and everyone a huge favor and just go ahead and forward this episode to a friend. I am thrilled to let you know that I'm just creeping up on my year anniversary of starting this show. And uh, I checked my stats this morning and I was up to 503 thousand downloads. So I'm over half a million. My goal was to get half a million in the first year. I've beat that by a month or so. So my next goal is to get up to a million by the end of 2017. So I'm going to need another 500,000 downloads and you, my friend, can help me to achieve that. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for forwarding this episode. Thank you for supporting uh, my work and the things that I'm into and discovering in the world. And I really hope that I'm providing some value to you, the listener. I'd also like to encourage you to tune in next Tuesday for episode 67 with Brian Chaplin inside the cannabis industry. Click subscribe on the show. Sign up for my newsletter at lukestory.com. Let's keep this thing going. Thank you so much. And I will be in your eardrums next week. If you have some questions or even suggestions about the show, you can always submit them to info at lukestory.com. And if you're interested in going deeper down the rabbit hole and you'd like to do some one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, yours truly, you can go to lukestory.com forward slash coaching where we can work together remotely via Skype or maybe even in person if you're in the Los Angeles area. Mm -hmm.